Hi, and welcome to the Small Business Sisters podcast. If you're new here, we're Jenny and Christina, two actual real-life sisters who both happen to start their own small businesses. If you're here, you're probably a woman small business owner who is running a lot of the show by herself. Over the last eight years, we've each been in business. We've had to discover a lot of business owning on the fly. We know that running a business, a household, and maintaining mental health can be challenging because we've shed a lot of tears over it. Thankfully, we've always had each other to ask all the questions, bounce off all the ideas, and just have someone on the other end who gets it. And that's why we're here. That's why we started this podcast, to help other small business owners who are doing it all feel less alone. We talk about business strategy, our mental health journey, and all that falls in between. We're glad you're here to join our sisterhood. Running a small business can be lonely and overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. How much time would you save and how much stress could you alleviate if you had someone to help you create a marketing action plan that's aligned with your goals and your communication strengths? What would it feel like to have time set aside to strategize, organize, and brainstorm for your business only? That's exactly why Miranda Rodriguez from Marketing for the Uninhibited is hosting her Big Ass Goals Workshop at the end of the month. The Big Ass Goals Workshop is happening on Thursday, January 26th at 6 p.m. Central Time on Zoom. In this 90-minute co-creation workshop, we'll create a plan of action that will get you one step closer to achieving that big goal every single day. If you've been waiting for the holiday selling season to end before creating a plan for 2023, now is the time. Tickets are $150, and here's what you'll get. 90-minute live workshop on Zoom, step-by-step plan for achieving that big goal, my four-week action plan framework, real-life client examples and how they got there, time to share and work through your ideas, digital workbook and calendar to keep you on track, an optional Q&A at the end, optional lightning hot seat round for real-time feedback, community of other business owners like you who are ready to level up. Space is limited. The maximum capacity for this workshop is only eight people. So hurry and click the link. It's going to be in our bio of our Instagram and grab your seat to this workshop. I just did it in December and it was really great to nail down specific goals that I want to put into my business in 2023. And you can also visit our website, smallbusinesssisterspodcast.com and follow the link there to sign up. You've heard us talk about Miranda from Marketing from the Uninhibited a lot in our podcast. Mm -hmm. And that's because Christine and I both have uh, personal experience in working with her. And she is a fantastic marketing coach. We like to refer to her more as like a business therapist Mm -hmm. because that's kind of the experience uh, you get with her. I, In all the years that I've worked with her, What has helped me the most is I kind of come to her with like all these jumbled up ideas and emotions as often we get because our business is so personally attached to us. And so she's able to be um, just like an unbiased perspective on your business, listening to all the things you're saying and kind of trying to pull out these ideas or goals you have and then creating tangible action plans. And so that's mm-hmm. what I think I I haven't done the one-on-one workshops like Christina, but I have been a coaching client and that was 
most helpful to me having those action plans each month of like, all right, here's what I think you should do to get to what you're saying you want to be. So that's what I can highly recommend, Miranda, is helping you get those tangible actions in place. Yes, and that's what the her workshop coming up at the end of January called your big ass goal workshop. I took it back in December and it's exactly what Jenny's talking about of really getting down, you know, it's so easy to say a big goal, but you you can't necessarily put into action a big goal without those smaller steps underneath it. And so this workshop, she did a really good job of helping you discover um how do I word this? Like you know you have your business and then you have the things that you're really passionate about outside of your business and what makes you you. And she does a really good job in this workshop having you kind of figure out how can I use the gifts and passions that I have outside of my business to kind of fuel behind it, um, fuel a goal behind it. And so really getting down to what what kind of makes your, what kind of makes you go, what, what, motivates you and pushes you? And then how can you apply that to do something really big in your business? And so that's what I loved about it. It really made you dissect that and see like, oh yeah, those don't have to be two separate things. I can really bring that in. And then of course, like Jenny's saying, Miranda's all about those action plans. Okay. So now that we've figured out how to combine your passion and your business together, how do we make an action plan to get you to that that big goal. So it was really good. I highly suggest it. Tickets are $150. It's live on Zoom on January 26th at 6 p.m. Central Time. I know that if you can't make it live, you'll for sure be able to get to the recording, but there are some amazing bonuses of being live and a part of like, there was a ton of people when I was on it and we got to collaborate, which is really cool. Um, But tickets are $150 and here's what you'll get. 90-minute live workshop on Zoom, a step-by-step plan for achieving that big goal like I was just talking about, a four-week action plan framework from Miranda, real-life client examples and how they got there, time to share and work through your ideas, that collaboration part, um, a digital workbook and calendar to keep you on track, an optional Q&A, optional lightning hot seat round for real-time feedback that was really beneficial um, to get not only feedback from Miranda, but the other business owners that were on there. And then that, the community of other business, just like you that are ready to level up and kind of, it was, I left feeling really encouraged and motivated to do that next step for my business. Space is limited. The maximum capacity for the workshop is only eight people. So jump over there and grab your seat quickly. To do that, you can click the link in our bio or go to our website, smallbusinesssisterspodcast.com, and you'll find the link there. And this is a great way if you're not ready to jump in in full-time coaching, doing a workshop like this, a one-off workshop is a great way to like test out the waters, get some um, goals set, and see what Miranda is like as a coach. In today's episode, we talked to Carolyn from Period Wellness Menstrual Health. Carolyn is on a mission to get menstrual health education and advocacy everywhere in a way that's rooted in community and culture. We had such an awesome conversation with her, and it was funny because at the beginning we were doing our little spiel and saying, okay, it's probably going to be 30 minutes, and then we'll ask you to leave, and we'll discuss what we talked about a little bit. And an hour and a 
15 minutes later, we were still deep in our conversation. So we decided to split this episode into two parts. This first part today will kind of be all about what Carolyn does and her passions um, for period wellness and menstrual health education and advocacy in the community. And then the second part, we'll get into a lot of questions that you all sent in that you wanted to ask and where we just really get open and honest about our periods. And so we do want to just add a little disclaimer to this episode. While we think this is super important information, we want you to use your best judgment about what ears are around you listening and if you're ready to discuss period health with maybe the younger people in your family. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, please go follow Carolyn. She is a wealth of information. You can find her on Instagram at period wellness. And let's jump into this together and just get honest and vulnerable with each other about this amazing thing that our bodies do. Um, Carolyn, thank you so much for being on today. I don't know how I found you on Instagram, but I did. Um, period, learning about my period has been very intriguing for me um, and just empowering in a way of like things that we didn't always know. I really didn't know them until I started wanting to have babies. And so I think it's so cool that these resources are out there for women that are younger than, than me because it's not stuff that I knew. But I have to tell you why I'm so fascinated in periods. And that is because I have such a heavy period. Um, and in high school, I was actually voted. So our dance team would give away awards to seniors at the end of our senior year. And my award was Miss Super Plus. And it was because I bled through every single costume that we ever wore. I would have to do like our our leaps on the football field and have like a huge I had leaked through my costumes. Anyways, it was an ongoing joke, but now looking back, I'm like, I knew nothing about periods. I didn't know like which brands to use. I didn't know if that was even really normal because I didn't go to an OB as a, as a teenager. Um, and so obviously your period changes as you get older, as you have babies and all of those things. So I've learned more about it, but um, yeah, that's, I, I like tell people I was voted Miss Super Plus and, and they laugh with me, but it was, it's like, I wish I had had resources like that when I was a teenager because, which we didn't have Instagram and all of these amazing ways to get information. Um, but it can be a very like embarrassing place or even like scary place of not knowing how your body works and if it's normal or not. Yeah. Thank you for that intro. <laughs> You're welcome. So I, I just love it. I think that resources like you are so beneficial. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit because, I mean, it's a niche, right? Like this is a niche. Uh, how did you get involved with this? How did you start doing it? Yeah. Yeah. So around 2020, uh, I think, um, I read a book by Alyssa VT, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people, if you've kind of been like introduced to menstrual health in the holistic sense, that's kind of like a number one book to read um, is her book. And so I was introduced to that book via a podcast and I listened to it, like listened to the podcast and then was like, oh my God, like I listened to the interview of her on the podcast, I should say. So I was like, oh my God, like periods don't have to suck. Mm -hmm. And I was so intrigued by that because Alyssa Vitti's 
whole take is that there are four phases to the cycle and we can really kind of do different lifestyle changes for our cycle or for our life to change the health of our cycle for the better. And there are like a few takes. That's kind of like a like a really broad scope look at it. And the work I'm doing, I kind of want to take more of approach for other reasons, like other things and just solely lifestyle changes, which I can get into later. But anyway, that was like my gateway drug into menstrual health. And so I also, excuse me, started going to grad school around that same time for public health. And I was like, well, I'm pretty obsessed with periods. And I talked to all of my friends about this book and like going off birth control for myself, which was a decision that was good for me at the time. And I was like, okay, I want to try and focus as much as I can on grad school on menstrual health. And so everything that I did that I could, I made about menstrual health. And the pivotal project for me was a 15-week project. So it was like a whole semester. And we had to do a create a two-year intervention, which is very like standard in public health. You like create interventions for problems that's going on in the community. So create a two-year intervention program and then write a grant for that. And you had to like base it off of a problem or something that was like like relevant to the community. And I was like, if I can spend 15 weeks of my life solely dedicated to menstrual health, then I'll know that I like it. And so I did. I spent the like whole semester just diving into menstrual health and creating this two-year intervention for high school students, which was, um, I think like the program I made was for them to get education and then also have like an after-school activity for them to relate what was going on to their si- in their cycle to their daily life. And I fell so in love with menstrual health after that. I like was obsessed with it. So I took more courses outside of the university I was going to um, through FEM, which is a fertility or natural fl- natural family planning program type of um, certification. And I'm still in the middle of getting certified with that. And then I also took a course um, through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, which is where a lot of online health coaches come from. And that course was like Advanced Hormone Health 101 or something. And I used my student loans that I was already using for grad school to pay for those. And so I was like, this is great. (laughs) Like, I'll just kill two birds with one stone. I will like take these classes that I really want to take while also going to grad school. And I'll just tell myself that it's all one program so I don't feel like I'm doing extra homework. So kind of in the middle of all of that, I created the Instagram period wellness, which is how I think you said you found me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I just started posting about my period. And the first part of my experience on that Instagram was really just about me and my experience because I just... I had burnt out all of my friendships talking about it. (laughs) Not that they were like mad at me, but I was like, okay, it's kind of becoming like too much. People don't care that much about my cycle, Um, which I feel the same way about others sometimes. But I created that Instagram as an outlet for me to just talk about cycles and periods. And I started kind of trying to become like get into the world of menstrual health. And then from there, I as I got more knowledge and got through my grad degree or my public health degree, I started to post more educational content. And that's kind of where it started to like pop off because 
nobody has any education about the menstrual cycle. And so people started commenting and messaging me asking for help or just being like, no one's ever talked about this or like, I feel like I can only talk to you, a stranger on the internet. And so all of these things have been really good experience for me to really understand what's out there and what people are missing. And then around August of last, or yeah, August 22. So whatever year we're in now is last <laughs> That's year. That's what I feel like It was a while ago, but it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it's a... I had a reel that I posted and it was me being like, oh, when I was 12 years old, I Googled what is the white stuff in my underwear because I was too afraid to ask my mom. And I also just like no one told me. So I Googled it. And that post went totally viral. It has like over 7 million views. Not trying to brag, but I'm trying to emphasize the point that nobody so many yeah. people also it felt that way. That's and I had... Exactly. And so there are over a thousand comments of people being like, oh my God, me too. Or Google wasn't around for me. Like I got That's screwed. I or say, I, didn't, I didn't have Google. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm 26. And so it was kind of right on the cusp of the internet when I was 12. And so there really wasn't anything that I found on Google about my cycle. I like read a weird blog post and I was like, this is Okay, this is not it. So I literally went till I was like, I mean, I know the most about my cycle now as someone who's done extensive research on menstrual cycles, and I still have so much to learn. And so like, it took me a long time to even understand what actually cervical mucus was. Mm -hmm. Um, But all these comments and people messaging me from all over the world being like, okay, I thought I was turning into a boy. Like I thought I was having a wet dream mm-hmm. or I was shamed. I was told I was um, like my mom found it in my underwear and said I was being sexual and I got in trouble. And so it's like, oh my God, nobody freaking knows what this is. And it's mm-hmm. literally the only reason we exist as humans <laughs> is because we have a menstrual cycle and the cervical mucus is about fertility. So kind of like through this and some just like other experiences, um, I at first wanted to have an online business of helping people understand their menstrual cycle. But as I kind of got sucked into the internet after my post went viral and I was like, oh my God, Instagram. And I was getting so much dopamine from likes and comments and all these things, which like I still get dopamine from it, but I try to distance myself more now. Um, I realized that an internet business is not, because I know this is a business podcast. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So I realized that internet business is not where I wanted to be. And I've kind of made the decision to try to get more menstrual health education, research and advocacy in some sort of government program, because that's, I mean, public health is kind of like you're kind of bred to work in a government or a nonprofit from school. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where my heart is and where I feel the most comfortable, um, helping people and figuring things out. And so my goal now with period wellness is to continue doing some educational work, mainly a lot more local than I have been doing. Um, Like I have some local things that I want to do at some community centers and things like that and eventually create some sort of menstrual health department that focuses on creating educational materials for schools and also for um, doctors and like medical practices, because so many people will come to me and be like, 
my doctor just like didn't listen to me or some comments even are talking about, I went to the doctor for my, what I thought was a yeast infection, but it was cervical mucus. And my doctor told me like, I would, like they shamed them or the doctor told them that something was wrong or just like the doctor didn't know. And I don't want to like, just like bash all doctors. Cause I don't think all of them are like this. I just mm-hmm. saw an amazing one yesterday, but there is a big disconnect. I mean, most women or people who have like uteruses have felt some sort of disconnect from their doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm speaking as a white woman. So like, I just have a little bit of what other women of color experience too. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I want period wellness or some sort of menstrual health department to touch on that of the medical practice as well. And then also focus on research and advocacy work for menstrual health. So that was a very long-winded answer about where I am, where I've been. That, I, it's I just it so I'm much. listening kind of to you and on. like, oh, my gosh, and you're 26. That's so amazing. It's amazing that <laughs> yes. you already have this all under your belt. And what I love – so I'm 38. And what I love about when I was looking around your profile is that you post so much about like removing the shame from – period wellness or our periods or our bodies in general. And I think that is like an overarching theme of what Christine and I do with the podcast because we talk a lot about our mental health. We talk a lot about, you know, real life messiness that we don't have everything Mm -hmm. all together. And I think that's just another thing that even as far as we've come in the world today, there is so much like stigma and like embarrassment about talking about um, anything with our bodies. So I what you're doing is so needed it's mm-hmm. so important mm-hmm. so I think that's awesome and I Thank like you. having yeah. an account like yours on Instagram I don't want you to not think that's a business not a business because it is and you're doing so much good by uh giving that resource like think of girls that don't have access to healthcare or are afraid to talk to their parents about it um I think of that girl that was shamed and said this must mean you're sexual and then getting in trouble like um, girls are watching your stuff and that's so Jenny and I have all boys so <laughs> Jenny has three boys I have three boys um, so they're not ever going to have to deal with the period which makes me a little bitter sometimes <laughs> that they're not going to understand that aspect of it but yeah. I wish that this this um, and they will have access to information like yours but how you're talking about going into schools I think that boys and men need to be educated about it as well I think that there's a lot like Um, my kids and people might disagree with me when they listen to this, but, uh, when they were younger, not too much younger and, you know, they walk into your bathroom and see all of the things. And one of my sons was like, well, what's that? And it was a tampon. And I was like, it's a tampon. Like it's a tampon. And he was like, what is that for? And I was like, well, once a month, mommies who don't have babies in their bellies, they bleed and that stops the bleeding. And my husband kind of looked at me like, that's a lot of information. But my son was like, oh, okay. And I was like, that's going to help when he's, you know, in a future relationship with a woman. Like, he's going to not be freaked out by this thing called a tampon or his friends in high school or whatever um, the women in his wife in his life look like. Uh, that's so, so interesting I, you say that because that – so Simon, my youngest, is – 12 and we were at Six Flags this summer. Um, he, do you have Six Flags? People know what Six Flags is, right? We okay. Valley Fair. Yeah, it's yeah. a music. Yeah, park. I know it's okay. Yeah, we have a similar. So, uh, yeah. so I, and uh, like this makes me think of the shame part too, because even as his mom, so I had my period that day and I was like, 
I get really bad cramps the first day or two. And I was just feeling really, you know, that day when you feel like really crampy and he could tell something was wrong. And he asked me like, what was wrong? And I almost just said like, oh, I'm not feeling, I was like, I did go into that. I, well, I have my period. Do you know what that means? And he knew a little bit because they start to talk about like in the fifth, sixth grade age, but just keeping it very age appropriate, but not Uh removing any like little, little kiddish stuff, but just like, well, I have my period and you know, I, I get your body cramps a little bit when it's bleeding. So like that hurts right now. And I think the more we can do that with our kids and the younger generation Mm -hmm. and, just as we're talking, like not just girls, but boys too. I think that helps like remove all this negative stigma about what our periods are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like there's so much to be said about educating boys, men, and people who don't menstruate about periods. And I was at a hearing today at my uh, Minnesota State Capitol for period poverty. And I just want to, is it okay if I read a quote from one of the testifiers that is so on point to this exact conversation? Absolutely, because I want to talk about this too. (laughs) Okay. So um, this was a school nurse that was testifying to um, the House of Representatives about why they should support this bill for menstrual equity. And the quote is, the stigma towards females also harms our young men. What message do we give our young men, our young men around topics like respect, consent, human life if basic care items are withheld from half of their classmates? This is not just a female issue. This was said by Kari Dev- Devereaux. I think I'm spell- saying her last name wrong, but we talked afterwards, so hopefully she <laughs> accepts that. Oh, full body choice. But that was yeah. Yeah, and That's a point that I had not put together yet in my head around – I mean, this was specific to um, having young menstruators have period products in their school because so many miss school or use products inappropriately um, when they're on their periods. And yeah, what are we telling our young men? Like, oh, we just don't care (laughs) that – And then that just perpetuates the harm and stigma not only around menstruation but just a misogynistic approach to how we – you deal with female students. So I think that's so wonderful that you all are educating your boys mm-hmm. and like, yeah, cause they're just going to be around women regardless of mm-hmm. wherever they right. are. So yeah. that I hate, uh, so uh, period poverty is something that I just went down a rabbit hole on this last month. Um, as I was working with, I make wet bags, which are like waterproof on the inside And they're great for transporting, like, if your underwear gets dirty or, like, I would have definitely needed it in high school, right? Um, Dirty clothes, uh, just your your tampons and your pads, whatever it is. Um, And I was thinking about how girls who don't have money can't have a product like that, right? Like, I mean, they, I guess they could, but it's just, it's not going to be at the top of their budget to spend something on that bag. And right. so I was trying to figure out, like, is there a program that offers something like this that I could, you know, donate to? Is there – so anyways, I went down the rabbit hole and was seeing how there aren't – first of all, there's tons of schools that don't have the products, like you were saying. But then there's not yeah. a ton of states fighting for that to be, like, a like a thing, right? Like, the, like you have to stock – when you're buying stuff for your school, like, that's something you have to buy for, which – 
Um, I'm clouded because I live in an area that's more affluent. So like, I'm like, come on school, don't spend so much money on a scoreboard. Let's provide things like this, where there are schools out there that literally have like no funds. And so if the government doesn't get involved, there's not a ton that can be done to, to give those kids what they need. So I say that coming from like a, a very privileged space of where I live. Um, but so I was trying to figure out like, could I like donate to a program like this? Does this already exist? Is this a hole that needs to be filled kind of thing? And so I spun down that, that rabbit hole and it's crazy to me. Um, it's just always so sobering and like, uh, humbling to see that there are 16 year olds out there, 14 year olds, 12 year olds who don't have a product to use at all for their periods. And so I think of myself who was able to have a super plus tampon, right? And I still bled through everything. And so to think of not having anything there, like not only the, the scarring emotional baggage that that brings, like that's traumatic, but like now someone who already can't afford clothes is ruined like you can't I have jeans that still have stains on them from years ago that you just can't see when I wear them but like you know like yeah they're they're not ruining clothes so it's just like this whole thing so I went down that rabbit hole and it's um it's really sobering and humbling and I don't I'm sure that you know resources that maybe you can give on the podcast of there's I I found several websites but you probably know them better that you can donate financially to um, that will they actually go into the schools and give to the the girls that are in poverty? Um, I know some tampon companies, like every box of tampons you buy, like they give to that. So, do you have any on the top of your head? You can, or off the top of your head, on the top of your head. Yes, yeah. So there's two. One is a great. I think the other one we can. I'll check to see if you can donate. But Alliance for Period Supplies, which maybe is one that you saw, is a great organization that is really on track. They keep track of what states are doing what for period poverty. And for instance, the state I'm in, which is Minnesota, we have not we have no legislation that's passed for schools to mandate um, period products in schools. And like you're right, people are missing school. They're using products like for too long, which obviously pose risks for health issues, or they're using products that aren't meant for menstruation, like wads of toilet paper and cardboard. And I've had to use that when I'm in a pinch. And if you've ever, I'm sure everybody is just, your period comes off guard and all of a sudden you have a wad of toilet paper and it does not last long, (laughs) especially if you have a heavier flow and it's extremely uncomfortable. Um, so Alliance for Period Supplies is an organization that is you can donate to and they kind of keep track of what's going on and they in terms of legislation and also they uh, work with allied programs for places that give period products. And then another organization is I think it's just called Period. And it was an organization that started um I think she was in high school when she started this, but I'm not sure she could have been in college. But an organ- it started by a student who had was in either affected personally by period poverty herself or a close personal friend of hers. And she started this movement and this period – it's called like period, just like the word. Um, and they do a lot of advocacy as well. And they start student chapters in 
college campuses or high school uh, students too. So they might be another organization to donate to. How it works in Minnesota is this issue is like not, I'm trying to think of the word, but it's kind of just all coming together. There really was no big like move, not movement. There was a big movement, but there was no like, we didn't have like the Alliance for Period Supplies. There was a period chapter at the University of Minnesota that was collecting a bunch of donated period supplies and a bunch of students from the University of Minnesota were getting together and doing things for the chapter of period, like the national chapter. And then that chapter kind of dissolved. And so the group who took it over is the National Council of Jewish Women, who I'm heavily, I work with them a lot for the period menstrual equity. So like, I'll just kind of give you the backstory because it's kind of interesting. So the period group of students, they dissolved, um, like the group just no longer exists at the University of Minnesota, at least for now. And then they had like tons and tons and tons and tons of period supplies that they just gave to the National Council of Jewish Women. And so the National Council of Jewish Women, NCJW, they took it over and they had this whole warehouse of tons of period supplies. And I think a main reason they had so many is because a brand, like a Target brand and Target like our headquarters are in Minnesota. So we're like heavily affiliated with Target here. Um, like they, there was some like period product that did a rebranding. And so they had tons of period supplies, like pads and tampons that they could no longer sell that they just gave to NCJW because they were like, well, we need to get rid of these. We want to throw them away. So they came to NCJW and then NCJW has been taking over and going to schools and like giving them to schools and handing them out. Uh, But they're running low, like the warehouse is almost empty. And they also have products that schools aren't really looking for because a lot of schools are looking for pads, not really Mm -hmm. tampons, especially like elementary schools. Mm -hmm. So anyway, there's this like it's dwindling and also like they need more products that they can give the schools. And so they're a big push for the menstrual equity in Minnesota. You didn't ask me for that information, but I just think it's really interesting of how it kind of played out because it wasn't like, oh, there's a need and everyone's going to donate. It was just kind of like, and thankfully NCJW is an amazing organization with great people who are super passionate about period poverty. And they were like, well, we'll take it over. Like this is exactly what we want to end too. Um, but like we're running out of supplies. And so we need we need the government to step in and give money to schools so that they can buy the supplies. Because you're right, like some schools either can, but they don't want to, or they just simply can't afford it. Um, one testifier today, she's a she was a student somewhere in the metro area in Minnesota. And she was talking about how she asked her school, like, I'm bleeding out. <laughs> Not really, but like I'm having my period and like there are no supplies. I really need supplies. My parents can't afford them. Mm-hmm. All like a very common story for someone who's experiencing period poverty. And she asked the school if they could supply it for her, like for the students. And they were like, no, we just, we can't afford it or something. So she took it upon herself, like the 16 or 17 year old to write a grant. Oh, and she got, yeah, she got grant money for the school to provide tampons and pads for the students and it was all up to her to refill the packages every month when they ran low. Oh so not God. only did she have to write the grant herself, she had to then like be the main person for making sure the bathrooms were stocked 
And then she graduated. So I, I don't know how that program is going now. But this should not be up to students to, Mm-mm. I mean, it's just like, you can tell how much of a pressing issue it is if, if a like right. student is writing a grant right. for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they're the ones stocking the bathroom every month. And so we really just need to take care of our menstruating students mm-hmm. and just provide them the tampons and pads that they need. Yes. I'm very passionate no, about this, obviously. I, I think if you're listening, go to the two uh, nonprofits that Carolyn mentioned. Those are the two that I found as well. But also – if you live local to a school and you're able to afford a box of tampons a month, go to the school and say, Hey, can I donate this to your school? Like, well, let's start there. Like there's obviously not a ton of organizations that are able to help right now. And not all the States are pushing to have this. So, you know, I follow Sharon says, so I don't know if anyone else does, but she talks a lot about like a little bit at a time, like you do your one thing. And if that's going to your nearest school and saying, here's a box of tampons, like you never know like who that can help. Yeah. Right. Another thing. Go ahead. And that just like the, the, the like action of us coming alongside these younger girls, I think shows that like having your period is like pretty amazing. (laughs) Like the fact that we can like our bodies do that and, to reproduce another human being, I think like we need to help girls feel empowered by our menstrual cycle and that like it's a really amazing thing that the female body can do. And by helping them have the materials they need to just like care for their body during that time, I think shifts the dynamic from like embarrassment and like hush hush or like, you know, having to use toilet paper or whatever like no we should help each other because this is an amazing thing that our bodies do it's it's nothing bad or less than it's pretty badass in my opinion yeah 100 percent. and with someone having to use a product for too long or using cardboard or just having to skip school that just perpetuates the shame around periods that's untrue like we like shame is there because we people put shame on you so it's not like an inherently shameful thing to have your period mm-hmm. we just make it right one. I also wanted to mention too that um like if someone is thinking of like things to do or whatever like you can start your own period organization because you can just go to period.org I think that's what it's called and um to get started with making a chapter in your own school. And also if you're not a student and just don't know how to be involved, like this affects more than just students, obviously. So a lot of people experiencing homelessness are also in period poverty or just like maybe your friend is experiencing period poverty. Mm-hmm. So like making, if you like make kits, like you were talking about Christina um, and just including some pads and tampons or things like that for homeless people experiencing period poverty can be also like a really helpful way if that's something you're already doing like giving things out um then I would just definitely include pads and tampons and things like that I love that and we'll make sure to post all those resources and I hate to move us from such an amazing like benevolent program (laughs) um but I wanted to ask you um you mentioned a few things earlier. I wrote them down and I wanted to, to hear yeah. your story about those. So first you said you went off birth control. Can you, you don't have to give us like too much of like your health information, just give what <laughs> you would like, but like what, 
Like, why did you and like what? Yeah, I, you go with it. <laughs> However you want. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm going to caveat my story of birth control with saying that I am not someone who thinks birth control is inherently harmful. Um, There's a lot of people in the menstrual health world that are kind of either or with birth control, like hormonal birth control or not. And I wanted to just say this phrase that your cycle is with you for a very long time and your birth control needs will change throughout your lifespan. So if you're someone who feels like they need to be on the pill right now and that's what's good for you, then that's great. And you will have your period for a really long time and you can get off the pill later if you want or vice versa. I wanted to start out with that because there's been a big, like I've just noticed a lot, especially on the Instagram menstrual health world with like a lot of shame around people being on hormonal birth control. So now that I've said that, because uh, I, I think I did perpetuate that a little bit in the beginning of me posting about my period. So I'm trying to really like counteract that now. Um I was on a few different types of birth control starting in college. So I had an IUD and then for some reason I took that out. I don't really know why I was young and was like, this is kind of painful, but I mean, whatever, that was my decision then. So I'm okay with it. And then I got the armband. um, I think it's called the Nexplanon in my arm. And I really did not like that. I had a pretty bad experience on that where I just felt like really depressed. And my, like I have like a pretty optimistic disposition usually. And I just felt like I had a rain cloud over my head for like three months. And I was like, okay, (laughs) something. I was like crying all the time. And I was like, this just isn't me. What's going on? And so I went to my doctor and I was like, look, I've tried everything. Like I started exercising more. I started eating healthier. I already did both of those things pretty consistently anyway. And I was like, I don't know. I just feel like ever since this has been in my arm, like I've just felt terrible. And she just like straight up gaslit me and was like, no, you're wrong. Um, We just did like research on this and this is just like no way that this is contributing to it. And I was like, I don't really care. Like, please just take it out. I feel like it is. Um, And so I did feel better after, but that's not the experience for everyone. So just like sometimes we are just depressed for other reasons, but I on your um, mental health. So anyway, then I got the IUD after that. I got another IUD. And that was fine. I really liked it. I pretty much had like no issues. I was really scared for my mental health when I had the IUD, but um, I was totally fine. So sorry, you asked me about my non-birth control experience. So then I took, then it's all very, this is all very helpful information. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I was really afraid about the IUD, but it ended up being like a pretty okay experience for me to have it. Um, I will say it was really painful to put in. I'm sure like you both said you've had kids and I think it's like one tenth of what having a child is like, but (laughs) you are offered zero pain medication or anything. Mm -hmm. And right now there's also like a big push to change that because we're like, why are we just like letting women experience an extremely painful medical procedure and just like leave them like that? So yeah, I would agree with you because I also had an IUD in between kids and it yeah it's not right it's not it's It's painful painful (laughs) and if 
like I did not like the experience I had at my college university that I was getting them at. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I took, so I think, okay, around the same time that I was learning about menstrual cycles is when I was like, I've never wanted to be on birth control. Like I just, I never wanted to be on any of the IUD or the arm plants. It just felt like the best decision I could make for myself at that time. Cause I was in college and I didn't know anything about my cycle at all. And I am like a pretty, like, I like border on being a hippie. My friends would probably be like, no, you are a hippie. Um, <laughs> but like I, right, right. <laughs> so I just like always wanted to just feel my body and feel how I felt. But I just was like, I don't know any other option than just being on hormonal birth control. And mm-hmm. so for me, when I was around like 23, I guess, is when I was like, okay, I'm feel like I'm okay enough to get this out right now and like know my body enough and like have enough confidence when I would date people and stuff to be like, tell them what was going on. Um, Cause that's a big thing too. Like, I don't think I had the confidence in college to really like express my needs during intimate relationships. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of like, I think that's a big part that like, sorry, you're nodding Christina. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Actually that's not talked about enough. It's <laughs> yes. like, having to have unfortunately like grow the confidence to tell whoever you're with that like no I need mm-hmm. you to wear a condom or and I need you to pull out and like both of those right. things and like we need to have like a really big conversation about this um mm-hmm. but I just wasn't okay enough to have when I was younger and so mm-hmm. I got older and I was like okay no birth control like I want to be off of it <laughs> sorry <laughs> maybe you don't swear on this podcast but Oh, no, we do. Um, <laughs> you're you're yeah, okay. Okay. in the environment. You're good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I got to the point where I was like, I'm done. I read – I, like, was reading the books. I was learning about it. And I was like, I feel confident enough in myself. And, mm-hmm. like, like, the person I'm with now is extremely supportive. He's absolutely the best. And he, like, is super just great about my experience going off of birth control. So, um, anyway, since then, like, the first – year or so I went off, I really leaned into Alyssa Vidi's work. And also Aviva Ram is also another person to read after, or like kind of in your intro work to menstrual health. They're definitely like not like they're like uh, Aviva Ram is an MD. She's a Yale trained MD and also a midwife. So she has a, both perspectives of like the Western and Eastern kind of philosophy of medicine. Mm. Um so I want to call her like an intro work, but she just has great work. Like if you're just kind of getting started into thinking about this stuff. And I was really leaning into like all things menstrual health. And I leaned into the four phases of the menstrual cycle and I kind of became obsessed with it. So that's like the menstrual phase, which is when you're bleeding. And then after your menstrual phase, you go into your follicular phase, which is when your estrogen starts to rise and then you go into your ovulatory phase, which is in mo- like most hormones are peaking at this time, like estrogen, uh, your follicular stimulating hormone, your luteinizing hormone, testosterone. It's like that's when the egg is dropping or really it's actually exploding inside your ovary. And you're just feeling like typically you're feeling really hot and sexy. Your libido's up. And then post ovulatory phase is your luteal phase, which is when progesterone is the dominant hormone and you're pretty like if all things go well, it's a hormone that can help you feel really relaxed and centered. But typically, not typically, but in a lot of cases, 
we have some sort of imbalance if you're not feeling like super relaxed or super great or your life is too demanding at that time or there's something going on where you're not really um, given the chance to rest or like sleep a little bit longer or tame down your workouts or things like that. So it was really leaning into that. And that was so grounding for me coming off of birth control and not knowing anything about my cycle beforehand. And I really, really loved it. And then I started learning about FEM, which is the fertility education. Yeah, fertility education and medical management. Um, I think that's what FEM stands for, the certification that I am doing and learning about how to track your cycle and things like that. And that's been super helpful for me too. And now I'm like kind of post all of like post that like, I wouldn't call it a high, but like kind of a high of coming off birth control. And also my life has become so much more busy with other things. Like I'm really focusing right now on period poverty that I have like the foundation of the four phases and things like that. But it's kind of just become like a rhythm in which I live my life instead of something I'm completely obsessed with all the time. And so, yeah, that's kind of my story of going off of birth control. (laughs) We're going to pause the episode here. We hope you'll come back next week and hear the rest of our conversation with Carolyn and all the questions she answered that you sent in. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. If you love the podcast, we would love if you'd subscribe and leave us a review. Every positive review helps other small business owners to find us. Remember, don't do life alone. We're better together. For more content, go follow us on Instagram at underscore small business sisters. Make sure to introduce yourself because we love following and supporting other small businesses. And if you're interested in being a guest or advertising with us on the podcast, visit smallbusinesssisterspodcast.com.